We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hello, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thank you for joining me. We have a show coming up today that I think is a little bit different, but I hope that you will enjoy it. Today, I'm going to talk with you about what I believe to be the top seven strategies for succeeding at breastfeeding. Now, one of the things that you should ask yourself is, well, where did Marie actually get these seven strategies? I can't say that I really got them anywhere. Usually, I'm big on looking to the scientific research. But in this case, I would say it's more of a conglomeration of all of the things that I have seen over the last more than three decades of things that it seems to me just stand out in my mind that work for the women that actually do become successful at breastfeeding. And so I'd like to share those things with you. I hope that these will work well for you. So again, it's my top seven strategies for succeeding at breastfeeding. Here's the first one. Believe you can do it. Think about this. Your body was built for this. You can do this. This is your baby, and this you are the only mother this baby is ever going to have. And as I frequently tell mothers, I had a little side conversation with your baby. And you know what he told me? He told me that you're the best mother he's ever had. And so what do I mean by that? I mean, are you going to be absolutely perfect, whatever that is, perfect at breastfeeding? No. Probably not. It's a little bit like baking bread. Your first few loaves are salted with tears. It doesn't always go exactly perfectly right from the get-go. And by the way, when people, friends, relatives, whoever, talk about how wonderful breastfeeding was and how much they enjoyed breastfeeding, they're not talking about the first few days. In fact, they're probably not even talking about the first couple of weeks. In my experience, it usually takes a month before you and that baby, your baby, get to be 
familiar dance partners. That's what it really is. But you must believe that it is, in fact, a learned art. Yes, it's natural, but it's a learned art. And you've learned plenty of things in your life, and you can learn this too. Just remember that the baby needs to learn this also. And maybe you've already breastfed three babies. That's really great for you. But remember that this new baby, he needs to learn from the beginning. So believe in yourself. Believe in your baby. Believe that babies were born to be breastfed. They can do this, and you can too. Now, let me ask you a question you might not have thought too much about. What's the most important organ in your body for breastfeeding? Hmm. Well, let's see. And by the way, I mean by that, what's the most important organ for success in a breastfeeding experience? At first, you might be saying, well, the breast, right? Isn't that where the milk comes out? Well, that is where the milk comes out. But that's not the most important organ for breastfeeding. Maybe the pituitary gland, the home of oxytocin that is responsible for milk ejection, or prolactin that's responsible for milk production. Mm, No, not so much so. The most important organ for success in breastfeeding is the brain. And I would love to tell you that I thought that up myself, but actually I didn't. I heard that from a wonderful nurse friend of mine who heard it from a doctor whom she knew, and I don't really know the origins of it. But you just keep that in mind, because I really do believe that. When I think about the women that I have seen be very successful in their breastfeeding experience, in my life anyway, it's not always the ones that had the biggest breasts or the ones that made the most milk or the ones that had the most eager babies. Not necessarily. But it was always the people who were the most confident and the most determined. I've also often said if I could give women a confidence pill, (laughs) there's no doubt in my mind, they'd all be breastfeeding. So believe that you can do it. The most important organ for breastfeeding is the brain. Second one, find a good support system. And you say, well, I've heard this many times. Well, Marie, I have you. Right. Well, guess what? That's really great. But there's only one of me. And I hate to break it to you, but I want to have a day off. I want to go to bed at night. I want to have a weekend off, whatever it is. I am not necessarily going to be your only or your best support. I always tell women that before they leave the hospital, preferably before that, but before they leave the hospital, they need to be able to identify at least three women who will be very supportive for them. 
when should they identify these women? Early. Early, early. Maybe before they're pregnant. Maybe when they realize that they're pregnant. But definitely before they go home from the hospital. Otherwise, all you have is one little blip along the way and you suddenly feel like you've been set adrift. Parenting is a difficult job. It's like going from being a graduate student to being a full professor overnight. Mm, That's kind of hard. And what I mean by that is having that support person who can tell you, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, is enormously important. When you look for another woman who will be supportive of your breastfeeding efforts, make sure that you find the women who have had a positive breastfeeding experience. Women who have breastfed perhaps for a very long time, or maybe not so much so, but women who had a positive breastfeeding experience. And for some women, it is a life-changing event. My mother could talk about breastfeeding until she was into her late 80s, maybe even her early 90s, because it was such a life-changing event for her. Find one of those women. Where are you going to find these people? Well, I don't know. But probably in your home neighborhood, maybe somebody who is at work, maybe somebody who's been a lifelong friend, maybe your sister, maybe your aunt, maybe somebody at church. But find somebody. And I think you'll be very interested to realize that most women will talk about breastfeeding as soon as you do. If you bring up the topic, they'll probably be more than happy to tell you about their breastfeeding experience, (laughs) good or bad sometimes. If that doesn't work, well, it does work. But if that's not enough for you, find other places of support. And I'm thinking here places like La Leche League. La Leche League meetings aren't for everybody. I understand that. But I would also say to you that every La Leche League meeting is a little bit different. Every group is a little bit different. If you find that the group that meets in the morning, they're all the stay-at-home moms, and they wear their gauze dresses and their Birkenstocks, if that's not for you or you can't relate to those women because they're not like you, understand that... Their lifestyle works for them, but it doesn't have to work for you. Try going to the meeting that is at 7 o'clock in the evening. Maybe there you will find women who are breastfeeding their babies and they're at work. They've worked all day. Maybe that's the person who is more like you. Find people that you can relate to. The next thing that you really need to look at is mastering the basics of latch and milk removal for your baby. Now, there are really two situations that I could see that you might be in. One might be that you have a term baby who is, as we say in the hospital, full term 
uh, appropriate for gestational age baby, okay? Healthy, all is well. Those babies are generally going to be the babies that I'm talking about. But it may well be that you have a baby who is substantially more ill. In fact, you may have left your baby in the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit, and maybe you are already at home. So those two things and how you go about actually getting these basics of, quote, latch and milk removal might be very different because you might have a baby who's not latching at all. But regardless of whether you have a baby who is able to suckle or a woman who is what I call pump dependent, that is, her baby can't suckle, in any event, you still need to be looking at three basic things that you need to master. And that would be the basics of, number one, milk production, number two, milk ejection, and number three, milk transfer. I will repeat that because I'm going to really hammer on that, so I want to make sure that you've got it together here. Number one, milk production, number two, milk ejection, and number three, milk transfer. I'll give you just a few minutes to think about what I've just said and ponder milk ejection, excuse me, milk production, milk ejection, and milk transfer, and then we will go on to talk about that. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed. We'll be back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Make the most of your beautiful life. Listen to Ageless Living with Dr. Tong Lee and co-host Kurt Wilhelm to gain tips on how to live healthier and happier, alleviate suffering, prevent disease, become more beautiful in body, mind, and fashion, and find peace, balance, and success in your life. Are you aware that every 3,500 calories that you eat above what you burn will put a pound of fat on your body? And running one mile only burns 200 calories? So portion size does matter, and migraines do have a cure. What is it? You'll have to tune in Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Take charge of your fitness and take charge of your healthy life. Listen for Be Fit for Life with your host, Chad Austin. Think back over the past week, the past month, the past years. Are you like a lot of other people, too busy with the kids, work, travel, social calendars, business calendars, the day, the night, this and that? Make the decision to be healthier. Just do it. Chad Austin has made a living from motivating people to stop excuses and make fitness a priority in their lives. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Kelly covers our relationship with food and teaches us how easy eating well and living well can be, taking us on a weekly food journey, guiding us to a more rich and vibrant life. 
So tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed with Marie Biancuso. I just got through talking about the three things that are most essential for the whole idea of latching the baby and getting milk to the baby. And those three things are milk production, milk ejection, and milk transfer. And as I promised before the break, I will go through all of those a little bit more. It's really essential that you get some of these really basic things down. So let's start with milk production. Milk is produced. Think of your body for a moment to be like a factory. What do factories do? They produce things. A factory might produce widgets or cars or computers or whatever. And what happens when those things go out the door and onto the truck and into the stores? Well, the factory makes more. That's exactly what happens with milk. As soon as the milk goes out of the breasts and into the babies, the body knows that it's supposed to make more because the body is the factory. It is the milk-making factory. It is very important that you understand this whole idea of what I call remove to refill. And that sort of feeds into what I'm going to talk about with milk transfer. But you've got to get the removal in order to get the refill, and that refill is production. I know that I've probably said this to you so many times, and you're probably so sick of hearing it, but having the baby's jaws go up and down does not equal breastfeeding. Audible swallowing equals breastfeeding. Now, there's a line I wish I could take uh, uh, credit for that, but I can't. I got that probably more than 20 years ago from my good friend Debbie Bokar in Oklahoma City. Jaws going up and down does not equal breastfeeding. Audible swallowing, when you can hear the baby swallowing, that is breastfeeding. So those are some simple principles of milk production. And I should add one other thing, which is... If you don't remove the milk, then the production will dwindle and eventually just dry up. The second piece, milk ejection. Now let's talk about milk ejection for a moment. Milk ejection, and let me just say that 
I often, when I'm talking to professional audiences, I talk about the MER, the milk ejection reflex. But most of us just call it let down. Now, I know some people don't like that term because they say let down sounds like a cow. And okay, that's, I don't really care. I call it let down as well. But let down is governed by a hormone called oxytocin. Oxytocin is responsible for three bodily functions. Don't ever forget this. This is so important. Oxytocin is produced in the pituitary, and it's responsible for three functions, orgasm, labor contractions, and letdown, the milk ejection reflex. I'll repeat that. Orgasm, labor contractions, and letdown. Now, you think about that. Can you have an orgasm when you're stressed out? No. When you've got your head somewhere else, or when you're in pain, or when they're sandblasting at the house next door? Probably not. Very, very difficult to just relax. So relaxation is absolutely critical for milk ejection to occur because this hormone just doesn't work when you are tense or stressed. And I will say the same thing for labor contractions. I have no idea how many women I have helped through labor, but I have often said, you show me a hyper patient, a hyper woman, a nervous Nellie, and I will show you a long labor. And that's because it's very difficult for the body to do what it's supposed to do when the mother is putting out what you might know as adrenaline, really epinephrine. Because what happens then is that the vessels become smaller, and when the vessels become smaller, they don't have that rich oxytocin swirling around, if you will. So that explains why labor contractions, the woman may be contracting and contracting and contracting and contracting, but they're sort of not the contractions that work, as I like to say. And that's the same thing with milk ejection. You may find yourself on the verge of it, but it's really not happening. So if you are in pain, if you are distracted, if you are stressed, whatever it is, get rid of that. Stress is a major reason why milk ejection does not occur. Now, here's a, another thing. I have had many, many, many women, usually women that are having their first baby, usually they will say to me, well, no, I don't think I'm having a letdown, <laughs> but in fact, they are. Women experience letdown in, a different, in different ways. Some women will describe it as a pins and needles sort of feeling, a tingling sort of feeling. Um, one woman described it to me as, it's sort of like when I feel like my bladder is really full and like I have something to release. So 
it's, it's really hard. Everybody has a very different experience. Some women, women will tell you that they feel very thirsty. Uh, here's another one. Especially with first babies, if a woman suddenly recognizes that she's having these, as we call them, after pains, postpartum cramps, that also is part of what happens when she has a letdown. So I don't know what it's going to feel like for you. But I will tell you this, if you hear your baby swallowing, you have had a letdown. It has happened. And women will have multiple letdowns in one feeding, or should I say during one feeding. And in fact, there was some wonderful research that was done several years ago. I'm thinking around 2006, and I'm sorry, I can't immediately think of who the author was. Very fascinating study that showed that in fact... The number of letdowns that the woman had during a feeding was more predictive of how much milk the baby would get than any other factor. So where am I going with this? Relax. Relax and enjoy the flight. I guess I haven't flown... (laughs) Enough lately to remember that line. It is sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight. So that logically brings us then to milk transfer. If there's anything that I would say about milk transfer, it's this. Early and often, early and often, early and often. If you don't remember one word that I say, remember that baby needs to go to breast early and often. It's also important to have that audible swallowing. Milk transfer, and I know I talked about this before in another session, but let me just give a quick overview. Baby needs to have his mouth wide open. Nice big mouth. Wide open gape. He needs to take that nipple into his mouth. The nipple then stimulates his palate the nipple is elongated to two to three times its resting length. And the baby then gets the milk, takes that bolus of milk, and swallows. When you hear that audible swallowing, that is one of the finest reassuring things that baby is getting milk. Milk transfer needs to occur early and often. And what do I mean by often? Well, if the baby is a newborn newborn, meaning in the first few days, that could be as much as every one and a half to two to three hours. And by the way, the technical definition of newborn is for the first 28 days. But especially in those first few days, and I don't mean the very first day. The very first day, they tend to be like, hey, give me a break. I've had a long trip. Just just." Leave me alone. That first day, not so much so. But the second day, you will, in fact, see that kind of behavior where they're coming to the breast early and often. That is really critical for good milk transfer. Make sure the baby is on deeply onto the nipple and areola, that his chin indents the breast, that he is well aligned from head to toe, actually more like from head to bottom, but somewhat head to toe, that he has got his jaws compressing the breast, but the compression is not enough. He also needs to be able to have that 
audible swallowing. So here, what I've looked at then are these three things that are important for you to master in order to have successful breastfeeding. Milk production, milk ejection, milk transfer. I know that this was only just a brief overview because I talked about this elsewhere, but I hope that it's been either a good review or good reinforcement. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed. We'll be back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Holy hormones, honey! Every week, this groundbreaking radio show brings you insight about hormone fluctuations, addressing the core biological issues that cause mood disorders, and offers a general support center for women everywhere at any stage in their lives. Host Leslie Carol Botha has the passion and drive to help you make informed decisions about your well-being and reclaim your life. Holy Hormones, Honey, sponsored by True Hope Incorporated, is broadcast live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuto. I just got through talking about three, mastering three things that are essential for successful breastfeeding, milk production, milk ejection, and milk transfer. And now I'm going to move on to the fourth thing that I think is essential for your success in breastfeeding, and that is to commit yourself to informed consent. What does informed consent mean? It means that you actually are the decision maker 
and you've got the facts before you make the decision. Now, the problem is that so many people, including doctors and other, quote, authorities, will tell you lots of information. That may be good, and it may be not so good, or it may be good for somebody else's baby or for somebody else, but not necessarily right or appropriate or good for you. So I always try to tell both the providers of healthcare as well as the consumers of healthcare that it's absolutely important, critical perhaps, to have informed consent and that at the end of the day, it is the consumer of health care, in this case the mother, who makes the final decision. So, why is this important? Well, how about because you're the parent? We have really medicalized breastfeeding, but really, at the end of the day, breastfeeding, or feeding for that matter, is a parenting decision. It's a parenting decision. And most certainly, it's important to recognize that breastfeeding, while it is food, it is more than food. It is an interaction. And conversely, what is formula? When you look at all of the, quote, authorities throughout the world, starting with the World Health Organization, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine, the anybody else you want to name, the Centers for Disease Control, the list goes on. All of them will tell you that exclusive breastfeeding is the norm, and exclusive breastfeeding is adequate for normal, healthy babies under most circumstances. So I posit that anything that's not exclusive breastfeeding is an intervention. If you find yourself exposed to an intervention or somebody telling you that you need an intervention, you then need informed consent. I don't know where I learned this, probably in like the first year of nursing school, but I've heard this over and over and over again, and I read it over and over and over again, the four components of informed consent. I'll read those slowly for you. Indications, benefits, risks, and alternatives. So let's say that someone is suggesting that your baby have supplementation with formula. You need, or any other intervention, you need informed consent. What's the indication? Why is this baby getting formula? Or why are, why are you recommending formula? Or recommending weaning or whatever it is? What are the benefits to that proposed action? What are the risks to that proposed action? And what are the alternatives? And oh, by the way, one of the alternatives is do nothing. Now, that's not always a responsible thing to do, okay? But nothing might be a possibility. Now, 
I'd like you to just rearrange that just a little bit. Start at the top and write B for benefits. R for risks. A for alternatives. I for indications. And N for no treatment or nothing. If you look at B-R-A-I-N, you see brain. Put your brain in gear before you consent to anything. And by the way, the proposed formula or other intervention might be very appropriate, and you might agree to it, and that might be the right decision to make. But make sure that you have informed consent and understand, too, that you always have a right to refuse something for yourself or your child. So, informed consent, benefits, risks, alternatives, indications, that is why you're doing it, and possibly nothing or no treatment. Number five is get a plan. Get a plan for the early experience. And I would say to you that you can break that down into what I think I might call the self-level, the interpersonal level, and the system level. So let me talk a little bit first about that self-level. Make sure that you set yourself up to succeed right from the beginning. Understand that there are some interventions or actions that facilitate your breastfeeding experience and some that undermine your breastfeeding experience. So looking just at yourself here, or possibly yourself and your baby, let's look first at those facilitators. I know I've said this so much, early and often, early and often, early and often, get breastfeeding started early in the first hour of life and breastfeed often. Now, in that first hour of life, If the baby just licks and plays, that's great. I have no idea how many times, hundreds of times, I'm sure, I've said that to a mother. Okay, if the baby just gets up there and licks and plays, I consider that a success. If he does anything more than just lick and play, I consider that a bonus. Now, I think that I am as able as anybody else on the planet to help that mother with, quote, correct latch. But I really don't do a correct latch in that first hour. Because first of all, a lot of them really kind of don't latch. And those that do latch tend to do it very well. But resist that urge to try to get everything just perfect. Get the baby in the kitchen. If he's in the kitchen, he's probably going to eat. But give him that opportunity early and often. Here's another thing that as a labor and delivery nurse, I have found often very, very frustrating is that parents, mothers, other kin folk that are in the room often say, how much does he weigh? How much does he weigh? How much does he weigh? Do me a favor, okay? If I'm your labor and delivery nurse, don't ask me that. I am really very uneager to weigh the baby because if I weigh the baby, I'm taking him away from the mother. That's called separation. And when I put him on a scales, that scales, trust me, is anything except warm and fuzzy. It's not yummy warm like the mother's skin. So that interrupts the baby. 
And that is really not where we want to be. Look at the barriers to the early breastfeeding experience. And actually, I think I just sort of did that one, maybe in reverse, resisting the urge to weigh the baby. But avoid anything that is noxious stimuli. What do I mean by noxious stimuli? Anything that separates the baby, anything that's poking and prodding the baby. I'm thinking, for instance, like eye drops or eye ointments for your baby. And also a shot of vitamin K. Now, I am not familiar with the rules and regulations in all 50 states, but generally, they do routinely give the eye drops or eye ointments and the vitamin K, but it does not need to be done instantly, like two minutes after the baby is born. In some states, they will say up to one hour afterwards or up to two hours afterwards. And I'm aware of one state that says something like um, very soon or some such wording like that that was very vague. So you really want the baby to have the opportunity to breastfeed before you start poking and prodding him with stuff. The other big thing that I would see as a barrier is what I call rules, rules, rules. If something sounds to you like a silly rule, it probably is. It probably is. When I was a young nurse, I didn't really know a whole lot about babies. I definitely didn't know much about breastfeeding. But I did have sort of my antenna go up when I heard these silly rules. If you think it's a silly rule, it probably is, and you should question it because that could be a barrier to exclusive breastfeeding. So what we've done here is to talk about, first of all, committing yourself to the informed consent. We started off this segment talking about that. And then I began with getting a plan for the early experience, and I said I would break that down into three things for you. And the first one that I just covered was the self-level. When we come back, I will be talking about the interpersonal level of how to get a plan for that early breastfeeding experience. I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to be Breastfed. We'll be back after this short break. Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that'll help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 
1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio, because shift happens. Listen every week for Mental Health with Dr. Sarita Rao. Our program focuses on behavioral health issues like depression, dependence on drugs and alcohol, anger management, stress, and other challenges. From ADHD to bipolar disorder, we'll want to hear from you with questions and experiences to share. That's Mental Health with Dr. Sarita Rao, live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Find out more. You don't need to deal with this alone. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuso. I just got through talking about some of the barriers that are the personal barriers, and now I'm going to move on to the interpersonal barriers. When I talk about interpersonal, I mean those people who are surrounding you. And rule number one would be don't let people beat you down on your decision. Who are these people? They might be your friends, they might be your family, they might be your healthcare provider, they may, might be some grouchy old nurse. I hope that I'm not grouchy, but I'm sure I've had my days when I'm not so great. But don't let people give you negative talk. Other people that you will find that might be negative might be at work. They might be in public places. They might be people who stare you down when you take your baby into the McDonald's restaurant or wherever it is. Don't let that get you down. Always remember, this is your baby. It's not anybody else's baby. Well, actually, it's the father's baby, too. But it's certainly not the baby of the people who are staring at you, giving you negative feedback or criticizing you. It's not their baby. This is your baby. Understand, too, that breastfeeding is food, but it's more than food. Breastfeeding provides nutrition and protective mechanisms for your baby, but it's more than that. Breastfeeding is not an event. Breastfeeding is not an event. It's a relationship. Think of breastfeeding as a dance. This baby is your partner moving across the dance floor. You don't need to have someone cut into your dance with your partner unless you want to. Now, on on that same note, remember that One of the things I've heard over the years from mothers is, well, the father wants to feed the baby. I'm always reluctant to speak my mind on that because I don't want the father to feel alienated. But what I try to do is to reframe that for the family, and I hope that you can reframe this for yourself and your family. 
really, what the father wants to be able to do is to nurture the baby. He wants to be able to interact with the baby. And I do stand by the fact that if fathers were meant to be feeding the baby, they would have had breasts on the front of their chests like women do, but they don't. So let's try to help fathers to do what fathers do well, to protect the baby, to interact with the baby, to have fun with the baby, to nurture the baby. And that's different ways for different fathers. But it might be something like, for instance, massage. And I encourage parents to go and take a class on infant massage. It's a wonderful way for anybody to interact with the baby. It might be giving the baby a bath. It might be singing to or rocking the baby. Any of those things and many, many more things are a way to help with nurturing the baby. At the system level... I would suggest that you look at four really important things in your plan. And I do not have time to go into all of those today, not even close. But I'd like you to look at four things, excuse me, five things that I consider to be hugely important as you get a plan for that early breastfeeding experience. Number one. How are you going to breastfeed early and often, early and often, early and often? Number two, plan for lots of skin-to-skin contact. Okay, this is a relationship, and the baby really doesn't want to be in a crib. He really wants to be with the mother. He's been with the mother for nine months. Help the baby to recover from his long trip. Is there any one of us who doesn't like skin-to-skin contact? It might be something as simple as a handshake, but that's still skin-to-skin contact. I often tell people I can't fax a a handshake, okay? Number three, rooming in. Find out what your hospital's policy is on rooming in. Will they allow you to do it? And if so, or even if not, try very hard to... Do rooming in with your baby 24 hours a day. Parenting does not start on day two or day three when you get to your home. Parents need to be able to recognize their baby's cues and recognize their baby's needs. And there is a lot of research to show, as well as my personal experience, I will tell you that parents do that best when they are rooming in. And then when they do go home, they are so much more prepared to meet that baby's needs. Another one is cue-based feedings. Cue-based feedings are enormously important. It means that you're really reading that baby's cues. And finally, avoid or minimize supplementation. Now, I talked about that a few minutes ago. Generally, for those full-term, normal, appropriate for gestational age, healthy infants, Exclusive breastfeeding is what they need and what only you can provide. So work with your body rather than against your body. Trust me on this. Supplementation creates more problems than what it solves. Number six, 
get a plan for the ongoing breastfeeding experience. That's really, really different for everybody. I hear very often, I have to go back to work. Okay, when do you have to go back to work? Do you have to go back to work full-time? If you have to go back to work full-time, can you go go back to work part-time for perhaps a couple of weeks? Can you telecommute? Can you have flex time? Is there a place at work where you can feed your baby or where you can express your milk? What's the plan? And have you talked with your boss? I think that you would be very surprised to understand that bosses are actually much more receptive to accommodating a breastfeeding mother if the boss simply knows about it. And generally, the coworkers will be more helpful if they simply know about it. Similarly, picking out daycare. You know, of course, that both of these, going back to work and and choosing a daycare provider could be something that is a topic in and of itself. But there are two things that I think are critical about the daycare provider. Make sure that your daycare provider understands how important breastfeeding is to you and to your baby and that they won't throw away your milk and that they understand about bringing in and storing milk. And I would suggest that you have a very serious talk with the person who is going to provide your daycare and also that they understand that they should not be giving the baby milk five minutes before you are expected to get in the door. So try to give yourself a break so that somebody is not overtaking you. Finally, number seven, you'll be surprised for me to say what my number seven is. Number seven, be willing to reevaluate your plan when needed. We all go into things with what seems like a really good plan, but you know, sometimes it just kind of doesn't necessarily work out that way. So make sure that you cut yourself a little slack and that you reevaluate your plan when needed. I'll summarize those top seven strategies for you. Number one, believe you can do it. Number two, find a good support system. Number three, master the basics of latch and milk removal. Number four, commit yourself to informed consent. Number five, get a plan for the early experience. Number six, get a plan for the ongoing experience. And number seven, be willing to reevaluate your plan when needed. That's all the time that I have for today. And I would like to thank you for listening to Born to be Breastfed please visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up next week. And if you are interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. Again, that website is borntobebreastfed.com. I'm Marie Biancuzzo, and I promise I will help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.